0: Welcome to the Endurance Horse podcast where endurance riders from all across the globe gather sharing their stories, goals and progress as they train for and compete in endurance events at every level. So kick off your shoes, pull up a chair and listen as we gather around the virtual campfire and listen to friends from across the world.
1: Hello and welcome to the Endurance Horse podcast. This episode is the first topic specific episode of endurance horse podcast in this episode riders are going to share stories on the topic of what we in the united states call the rider option pull it is when your horse has successfully been vetted through you're given the the go-ahead to continue with the ride or to begin the ride but for some reason you just feel like maybe you should withdraw or maybe you should not go on. In fact, in other countries, what we call a rider option pull is called a withdrawal. At the end of the podcast, I'm going to share with you two times I decided to rider option. Um, Once was on our mayor, Faith, and the other one was on my gelding mandate for gold. Sometimes the stories we share on this podcast are fun and uplifting and encouraging. Or inspiring so it, it did make me pause a little bit to decide to tackle something that was not so uplifting and something that as endurance riders if you ride long enough there's a chance you will be faced with you know there are stories about when when days don't go right when things do go, go wrong they don't go as planned and my hope is that we can learn from these stories and that they might give us that extra courage that we need on the day when we might be faced with a, a rider option pull. We share the rider option pull stories in episode 6 in hopes that we will give courage to someone who in the future might be faced with that feeling that something just isn't going right on that given day. Thank you to all the riders who were willing to share stories that were not so easy to share. I greatly appreciate it. I hope that that we all can learn something from this episode and that If there is a day where you find yourself at ride camp wondering if you should go on, I hope that you can think back to this episode and maybe draw some wisdom from it. Without further ado, I bring to you Episode 6 of the Endurance Horse Podcast.
2: Hi, Jenny Chandler here from New Zealand in the sunny Waikato. Um, Chris was asking for chats about... When we've pulled our horses from rides, that is stopping before the end of the ride and not completing, even though you're qualified from the vet check and could go on if you wanted to. Uh, We call that, in New Zealand, we call that withdrawing. I just recently spent some time in America and was lucky enough to go to an endurance ride, well when I say recently it was nearly a year ago, and one of the things I noticed is that we have similar terminology for completely different things. Um, For example when you talk about vetting out, you mean that you've passed the vet check and you're out of the vet ring and ready to go on to the next loop. Um, If you vet out in New Zealand that's it, your horse is lame, you're metabolic, you're out of the ride. So. That one was really messing with mine and my New Zealand friend. We were kind of having trouble coping with that, so we'll just divine a few things and differences there to start with. Twice in this last season, the New Zealand season is virtually over now, I ended up one pulling once pulling the horse I was riding and having my friend who was riding one of my other horses also withdrew him before the, before the end of the ride as well this season. Um, so we'll start with with my one. I was riding my good endurance horse Tigger. He's a 15.3 dark brown Anglo Arabian. It was an 80k ride. It was muddy. Doing the first loop with a, with a couple of friends who I hadn't had the chance to ride with before. So we were having a really good time chatting away, giving each other a hard time, you know, having fun as you do. And we were... Not far from the end of the first loop, which was 30 kilometres, going along a new track, and Tigger's back leg went down a hole. And he hopped a couple of strides, you know, as they do when they're a bit sore, and it's a bit of a sharp pain. And then he was fine, and we kept going. Didn't think too much of it. Got to the end of the loop. He vetted very quickly. Didn't even put any water on him. His heart rate just came straight down. So hadn't put any water on his neck, let alone washed his legs off. He passed the vet check. The vet didn't notice anything. Got him back to, the, to his pen. I still had to wash the mud off, so I'm washing all the mud off his legs and blow me down, he's got some skin off that back leg that he put down the hole. It wasn't bad, so I went to the vet and I said, you know, I want you to come and have a look at my horse. So she came over and I said, did you notice that? And she hadn't noticed it, I hadn't noticed it. She looked at it and said, it's up to you, um it's it was a bit deeper than it looked at first at first initial glance it was a little bit deeper than you thought it might be it was like well we could continue we could stop now another thing that's happening in new zealand at the moment is there's been a alternate group set up doing endurance rides so we now have two groups and it was all politics, you know, nasty. We're not going to go there and talk about that at the moment. But So we've got this new group who have a slightly different set of rules. And one of the rules that are different between the two groups is that in this new group, all rides that are longer than one loop are what we call elevator rides. So you can, you can pull out at any time. At, as long as you've, you've passed the vet check, you can pull out and have those kilometres Count towards your horse's long lifetime tally. You're not eligible for placing, obviously, but those kilometres count, even though um, you don't complete the ride. In the other group, there are some elevator rides, usually only 60 or 80 kilometre rides, never longer than than that. And they have to you have to declare that you are riding in the elevator ride um, before you enter, and then same rules if you stop part way through your kilometres will count Um, but most multi-loop rides in the other group are not elevator and this was um, what I was used to so I hadn't come across this situation before where I could have the kilometres count in a ride that you know all rides were elevators all of a sudden and so I was surprised at that point how it changed um, the way I thought about it because under the other system You'd manage it. You'd look at it and go, "Well, he's probably okay. He's not sore. You know, we'll 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 wrap it up before we go out. He'll he'll do the loop with a with a bandage on, and chances are he'll get through the next loop. A little bit of a gamble, you know. It might get a bit sore. It's not gonna hurt the horse as such. Um, he just might not pass the next vet check where he's passed this one. Um, and we'd have tried to, probably tried to manage him." Through continuing the ride, slow down, take it easy, be careful, you know, look after the horse but manage it and continue. With this new rule, where suddenly it's like, oh, yes, that's right, it's an elevator ride, and my philosophy was, well, hey, I've got this 30k's in the bank, we've got that, I could try and manage the next one, I might get 60k's, I could pull them at 60k's. But I might not make that 60K. So it was actually, and the point of the the having that rule there is it made it easier to say, no, it's better for the horse if I don't continue, so I'll just stop him now, not risk going on for another loop and possibly not getting through the next vet check. And so I stopped there, and it was just interesting to me how, how you think listening to myself now I'm thinking well it shouldn't have made any difference I should have made the same, re- same decision regardless but it just took a little bit of that pressure off and made it easier and so that was very interesting and it made it easier to do the right thing for the horse which is why they have that rule in there so that even if you're doing a 160k ride you all know you know a 160k ride is special and you know that's your 100 miler And it's very special and you get a lot of people who, you know, they might have one loop to go and it would be better for the horse, you know, the horse is tired and they end up limping around that last loop to finish the ride where possibly they would have said, "Okay, I've got 140 kilometres. Today I'll stop. My horse is too tired. My horse doesn't want to go on or possibly the rider is, is injured. How many, how many of us have gone on and ridden when we're injured? I know I have. So that's really a nice philosophy that they've brought in to the new group. And the other horse is a young horse that I've got and he'd done um, four 40-kilometre rides um, during the season and the end of the season ride was um, a marathon um, ride. I was riding a a borrowed horse in the big big event which was uh, 240 kilometres over the three days and my friend was going to ride Richie, my young horse, in the the smaller mini marathon which was 120 kilometres over three days and the first day was 50 kilometres and it was a tough track. And so that was further than he'd been before. And because it was a tough track, it took a long time. Big, big, big marathon. The 240k marathon riders were doing the 50 kilometers in about six hours, six and a half hours. So that was longer than he'd ever been ridden before. And after the ride, his, in front of his girth area swelled up a lot because it was just you know much longer than he'd ever been out before. And we could have managed it, he passed the vet check, he vetted well, his heart rates were good. Again, we could have managed that, you know, ice and looking after it. But combined with the fact that there'd been a lot of metal, a lot of stones um, on the course and he'd got a stone bruise, we could have also managed that, icing the foot. But again, it's like, he's a young horse, we'll pull him we won't take him and do the second and third days, and we'll claim that 50 kilometres, because again, multi-loop ride, it had elevator status, and so again, he claimed those 50 kilometres and didn't go on to complete the whole distance. In both cases, I think it was definitely the right call. In both cases, it was better for the horse that they didn't continue, and when you reflect and look back on it, you go, yeah, it was a no-brainer, but at the time... When you've got the pressure on and the excitement of the ride and you you want your horse to continue, sometimes it can be a bit harder. And we all benefit, I think, from hearing each other's stories, and I'm looking forward to to listening to the podcast when it comes out because we all benefit from hearing other people's stories about when they've done that and for what reasons and how they they made that decision. Um, Catch you next time. Bye.
3: Hi all, Daryl again from New Zealand. I have to say that I'm loving hearing everyone's stories. My husband is really really not horsey and he's amazed at how long we can all talk about horses and endurance and never run out of stories. Christina was asking about rides we'd pulled out of so I thought I'd share a couple of mine from a couple of years back. First one was one of those early rides of the season and it's an area we all love, Aria in the King Country towards the west coast of the North Island. First up, I have to say that my primary goal every single season is to get a 100% completion rate every single time so it really goes against the grain to pull out. This particular ride was going just fine from what I remember. We'd been out and done a big loop and then headed back to base on common ground with another little loop bringing the track around to a gateway where you're meant to turn left and head home. I was riding on my own at this point. Can't remember where in the field I was but he felt good. It was a lovely bit of track, grassy raceway. As we came around the corner I could see the next marker on a rise just ahead through the next gateway. But then. When I kept on going and the further markers were heading me out onto the, onto the course again, where I'd already been, I knew that I'd gone the wrong way. So I joined on to that same extra little loop. I'd already done it, so I knew it should be bringing me back to the right place. And ended up at exactly the same place again. Marker on the rise through the gateway. I had a third try and did exactly the same thing. I was starting to get frustrated at this point. Turned out I was looking over the top of a sign actually on the gateway and headed, that headed you left to go back to base. I worked out how it had happened. The course marker had been on a quad bike marking it, so when he marked it, his eye line was lower than mine was when I was on a horse. As soon as I came around the corner, my eyeline immediately went to the marker on the next rise. I didn't even see the gate, so, you know, I didn't follow the markers, my fault entirely, but it was a, uh, a good lesson for me as a course marker just to think about where somebody else might be seeing it to, to pinpoint where they might be looking. Anyway, by the time we got back to base for, a vet, for the vet gate to hold before going out again, I'd done a fair bit of extra Ks, so Mike told me to pull out. I resisted mightily and was quite unhappy about doing it. But sometimes you need to put ego aside and look after your horse. It was a hard lesson. At the same time, at the same ride, I think I would still be not wanting to pull out. But he was right. So, um, you know, we tried to take that one on board. Another time, a couple of years ago, at a championship ride, I was in the middle of a 160-kilometer ride with my boy Salty. We were safely through three loops, and we were headed back towards base on the fourth loop. There was a water trough in the fence line just off the track, so we went up for a drink. And then walking back to the track, I'm talking about 20 feet probably, he found an old post hole with his hind hind leg. Whole hind leg, whole hind end, straight down to about hock level in a big hurry. It's like for yourself when you're walking along and you miss a step. The shock goes right up through your body to your neck. When I felt his leg go in the hole, I said to myself, I'm going to pay for that later. It was an old hole that had been thatched over with grass growth. We'd ridden over top of it about four times already in that ride, as had numerous others, I'm sure. We were just unlucky enough to find it, the hoof coming down right in the centre of this thatched-over bit. Course markers would never have seen it, neither would the TD when they expected the course. I found a stick to put in it so the others wouldn't fall in and then told the officials when I got back so they could make it safe. Salty trotted up slightly off, not quite lame, but the vet was hesitant. I explained to the vet what had happened on course and said, if I told you I was pulling out anyway, would that make a difference? They passed me through the vet check, I took him back to his yard, and then came back and told him I was withdrawing. So his record says that I retired, New New Zealand speak for RO, rather than went out lame. He never went lame on it, um, and I did get some body work done on it. I'm glad I pulled out, it was the right thing to do. As I say, I knew when it happened on the course, and I knew that it was going to cause an issue when it happened, not my fault, not anybody else's fault, just something that happened, you know, that's, that's what happens, this is endurance. My husband is a chiropractor, not for horses unfortunately, um, so I know what a misstep like that can can do to a body. I think that may be the only two times that I've pulled. One I was very resistant to, because it wasn't my idea, and the other one I would pretty much already decided to do that before the vet check. Hopefully I've learned from those and we carry onwards and upwards to successive seasons. Catch you next time. Hello,
4: this is Brenna Sullivan from Lake County, California. I wanted to share a couple stories of my rider auction polls, but first wanted to give a quick update on my horses. My mare, Sky is unfortunately out indefinitely with an undiagnosed medical problem. At the end of April, we had an emergency where the left side of her body swelled basically from her neck to her loins. I had to holler to UC Davis, uh, which is one of our best equine medical hospitals in the United States. She was there for two days in the ICU, four days total, and they did countless testing and diagnostics on her. They found that the swelling, which we initially thought was an allergic reaction, was actually hemorrhaging into her subdermal layer and also into her guttural pouches. Unfortunately we do not know why or how it happened. I kind of have the feeling this is part of an underlying problem that I've had a gut feeling about for the past few months, Um, and we go back at the end of the month to do some more testing. So it's been very stressful and emotionally draining. I really hope we get an answer soon, and best-case scenario, I hope it's something that's treatable and I can get my horse back. Um, I had a lot of plans this year with her, including Tevis in Virginia City. Um, I'm looking at my Gelding Ranger now to see if he's up to the task, which coincidentally brings me to the subject of what I wanted to talk about today, which is my rider option polls. Um, this past weekend, I took Ranger to a local ride, which has some climbing and some heat and humidity. It's a really, really great uh, Tevis training ride. And also, I wanted to take him to see how he do in the heat. You know, he's done some multi-days and 100 over the winter. But I haven't really tried him at endurance distance in the heat. So um, the plan was to do two back-to-back 50s, obviously taking one day at a time, and kind of go at a moderate pace see how he did. So on the first day, um, he went out really well, climbed really well. He got through the first vet check great, pulse down. He didn't drink at the first water, but that's pretty normal for him. He was pretty hydrated from the day before he eats and drinks really, really well in camp. So, but he tanked pretty good at the second water. We came down into lunch and he pulsed uh, within five minutes and I took him up to the vet check and all the parameters were were pretty good. Hydration was good. Impulsion um, was good. You know, his recovery was okay, but the vet, did say that he had quiet gut sounds. Um, he was really hungry, so again, I wasn't too worried. This is kind of normal to for him to come in with some quiet gut sounds. So, But I asked the vet if I could take him back for a recheck before he went out again. And he said that would be a great idea. So Ranger ate and drank pretty good all lunch. He um, basically, I mean, he ate like a pig. He ate really well. So I took him back in at the end of the hour to go to the vet, and I was pretty confident because he ate and drank very well, but the vet said, you know, he still got pretty quiet gut sounds. And to me, this is a, a pretty good red flag that something wasn't quite right. You know, with the eating and drinking he did, he should have had really loud, numerous gut sounds. So I decided to pull. Um, I figured it was obviously better to go back to camp with a healthy horse than to have problems later on in the day. Um, especially, you know, the second loop has a lot of climbing, and it was starting to get hot, so it really was a no-brainer to pull him at that point. I kind of feel like generally with horses that I'm not as familiar with, it's always better to, um, to be cautious and, you know, to not try to push it. I only have about, I've had Ranger for a year. I've only had about 500 endurance miles with him. Um, with Skye, I just have a much better sense of how she's doing, and I just have a better kind of gut-feeling intuition about her than I do with Ranger. So it ended up, it ended up being good. It wasn't a negative thing. You know, I brought him back to camp. He ate grass for about a half hour, and he was gurgling like crazy on all four quadrants. So, you know... Ended up with a healthy horse and took him riding this weekend. He was good. You know, it kind of lends itself maybe to the broader question of is he ready for Tevis. Um, That I think I'm going to have to answer in June when I do. I'm going to try to do another hot ride with him and maybe try to do some heat training in between then and decide uh, July 1st. So um, the other story I wanted to relay about a rider option poll was actually from Tevis in 2016. I, I took Sky kind of coming into the ride with this pact that I had made that if anything felt wrong with the horse, I would pull her because I just didn't in my gut feel that she was ready. You know, we hadn't had that many endurance miles up to that point. Um, I just kind of wanted to go because life is short and why not, but with the understanding that I'd pull her if something came up. We got 50 miles in. Um, To last chance, she passed with all A's, started down the first canyon, which is, in my opinion, the hardest canyon, and climbing up to Devil's Thumb. uh, She felt okay, a little tired, but at the top, when she was drinking, I noticed that she had some muscle tremor at her flank. and She had never done that before. I hand-walked her into the Deadwood vet check. Again, all her parameters were good. The vet said she looked okay, we could go ahead. But I discussed it a little further with him and, you know, with two canyons still to go in the heat of the day, it really was prudent to pull her. I, you know, I just had a gut feeling that I should. And again, she came back and, and felt okay. So, you know, I, I think in the big picture, rider option pulls are not the sign of a failure. They're the sign that you're bringing a, a healthy horse back to camp and you maybe have some things to work on, you know, maybe some additional management that you have to do with that horse, but I definitely don't see it as a negative thing. I see it all as a learning experience. So that's my update for now, and um, I hope everyone is having a wonderful riding season in the highs and lows that we experience with endurance. Currently in a low right now, but um, the horses are alive and mostly happy. Skies out in the field uh, by yourself grazing, so I'm hoping for a good outcome on that.
5: Hello there, it's Tyler Roy from Wisconsin again and I just thought today that I would share my rider option pull story. I was doing what was going to be my sixth 50 mile endurance ride and an awesome little ride in Montana that I loved. Um, That same day, my 16-year-old sister and a friend that we conditioned with were going to be doing a 25-mile ride together. This ride worked out great because all the vet checks happened to be in camp for this ride. So during the course of my ride, I could actually keep tab on my sister's progress. As they came into one vet check, I was excited to hear that they had completed and their horses were vetted out and looked great and they had an awesome ride. This ride, the terrain was nearly identical to what we trained on at home, so all of our horses really handled the the ride with ease. And that day my horse was doing just incredible. Um, Everything was going perfect and I was on cloud nine just loving that ride. As I neared camp for my last vet check, I was excited. We were in top 10 position. My horse looked and felt great and was moving incredible and we had only 10 more miles to go. Uh, after we completed this vet check. The last thing on my mind at that point was voluntarily pulling. However, as I approached camp, I sensed something was amiss. I saw a lady yelling, saying, come quick, come quick. And at first I thought she was talking to someone else, as I didn't know her. But I quickly realized when she said, your sister's horse. And I jumped into, oh my God mode. Leaving my horse to waiting strangers, ready to see to his needs, while I got brought up to speed on the situation at hand. Banner, my sister's horse, who was a white Appaloosa Tennessee walking horse cross, had finished his ride, and he'd vetted out with great scores and no concerns. But my sister had noticed within the hour that her usually perky and slightly obnoxious horse had lost that twinkle in his eye and just seemed a little off. With a vets reviewing him, They quickly started fluids and he started crashing fast. By the time I had gotten into ride camp, the consensus was from all the vets at the ride, that colic surgery really would be the only way to save him. He was pretty bad off. As I was taking in all of this info and processing it, I was a mess inside. We were hundreds of miles from home in the middle of nowhere. I didn't have thousands of dollars to spend for surgery. And my sister had lost so much already. No one there knew that she'd buried her mom, been abandoned by her father, been forced to leave her home, her school, and her friends behind and start all over. And that I, once her formerly cool big sister, had turned into her legal guardian at the age of 21. So we'd had our struggles and we struggled through a lot together. But we had found endurance riding, a sweet release from all of things bad, and it was one thing that we really enjoyed doing together. So the thought of this turning into another tragedy was heartbreaking for me. I didn't want my little sister to lose her horse on top of everything else. Ride management and everyone there that day was incredible. Arrangements had already been made by the time I got into camp There was a vet on standby at the nearest clinic, which was 60 miles away in Kalispell. Volunteers had a trailer hooked up waiting. Others were standing by to take care of my horse and my camp so I could leave them behind. We loaded Banner into the trailer, and I decided to ride with him in the trailer to make sure that all his IVs stayed in and that he stayed on his feet for the duration of the ride. I remember it was an open stock trailer, and it had started to rain shortly after we left. And I remember being cold and wet and angry at the world and thankful that the rain was numbing my face for the tears that were flowing down my cheeks. On a side note, if you've never ridden in the back of a horse trailer I highly re- recommend that you do it at least once because you will become a much better driver knowing what your horse has to go through when they're standing in the back while you're cruising ahead. Um, the gal that drove that day. I don't remember her name. I don't know who she was or where she came from, but she was incredible. Um, And we made it there. Um, And I was very thankful that that she did that for us. We arrived at the clinic just a few hours from the time that I had came in to my vet check. The vet did what he could to make Banner comfortable, and since surgery wasn't an option, we decided to leave it up to Banner, hoping that Appaloosa in him would be too stubborn to give up. The bat said if he could make it through the night that his chances were good, even though he looked as bad as any case that he'd seen. So we left him behind, and we rode back to camp in silence. I was stunned, not believing any of this was actually happening. The next morning, we packed up my horse, my friend's horse, and camp, and we headed back to Kalispell to see how Banner had fared. As he pulled into the drive, I heard the unmistakable whinny and the sweetest sound I'd ever heard and it was Banner and it told me that he was fine and he was ready to go home he had fought hard overnight and by morning he had looked good as new and had a twinkle back in his eye the vet was amazed at how quick he had recovered our little miracle horse had survived so my sister spent the next two years spoiling him rotten doing light trail riding teaching him all kinds of obnoxious bad habits but he was back to his old obnoxious self And we loved them. My sister graduated high school a few years later and moved out of state and left Banner behind with me. I had gotten kind of fond of the little guy by then, and I even completed a 30 mile ride on him a few years later. Of course, we did it at a turtle's pace, way slower than he probably thought we should, but I wanted to make sure we got through it together. When the time came for me to move, and I had to make decisions and cut my herd of horses. I was proud that I was able to give him to a little girl in Montana that the ride manager had known. She was dreaming of owning a white horse and I thought it was fitting that he go back to Montana to be reborn again, this time as a little girl's dream come true. Sharing this story reminded me of how incredible the endurance community is and that incident made me prouder to be part of it and to see so many strangers pull together in a time of need and help out a total stranger was truly amazing. And though I don't know the names or remember the faces of most people that helped us that day, and I never got a chance to say a proper thank you to any of them, I am forever grateful for the kindness showed, and I aim to pay it forward whenever I can. I have seen no better representation of the bonds built between a horse and rider than those in the endurance community, and I know firsthand that the horses do come first, and no competitor will ever be alone in their journey. There's just way too many people that do it for the love of the horse. And for that, I am forever grateful and proud to be a part of it.
6: Hi, my name is Nan Resch. I ride with my daughter, Terry in the Midwest region. This is our third season, and we finally went to our first ride of the year, APDRA, out in Palmyra and the weather was a little disappointing. It rained a lot on Saturday, and then it got very hot, so we chose to ride on Sunday, and it rained all night. But we decided to persevere, and we came there to ride, so we went out. It stopped raining before the ride. We saddled up. We were ready to go, and as soon as they said trails open, the skies opened up as well, but we went out and it just poured and poured and there was standing water and big puddles and sucking mud I actually lost both of my scoot boots which has never happened before we were doing pretty well making good time but not pushing it too much and about mile 14 my daughter's horse who's had tying up problems started to wilt again so we got off and walked the last two miles into the vet check and we vetted in and both horses had some tightness in their hindquarters but they said we could continue but we decided to rider option because being Sunday we didn't want Sierra to tie up and no vets around to help us out so we rider optioned and we stayed overnight that night just to camp and Sierra was fine but my horse Nikki was very lame on his left hind and we massaged them and walked them and he wouldn't even put his foot down sometimes. Thankfully it was a short trailer ride home only about 40 minutes and Nikki continued to be lame for the whole next week and I would put liniment on and massage him and he improved a little but he was still way off so I had my fine chiropractor Dr. Amber Erickson out and while I was brushing him up and getting him ready for her to come I checked his hooves and when I scraped the toe of his left hind an abscess blew out the toe on the sole surface so immediately he felt better and then, with Dr. Amber adjusting his hindquarters, he's doing very well, and we're hoping to go to Grand Island this weekend. As in regards to Sierra and her tying up, I couldn't sleep one night, so I was researching on the internet and found something called Equa Winter Patches. A stick on patch looks like a nicotine patch that is supposed to stabilize their electrolytes, and it had glowing reviews online, and it's supposed to help with thumps and tying up and bleeders and head shakers. Terry's birthday was June 14th, so I bought her a pack, and she started using them this week. I posted on AERC asking if they were allowed to be used for competition because the company Signal Health states there's no banned substances in them. And I've got a lot of replies. A couple people said they worked, and a couple said they sure didn't work. And Dr. Garlinghouse said they were just like snake oil sales. So I guess I got taken on that one, but there's a money-back guarantee. If indeed they don't work, I'm going to go after my refund. But we might as well finish them out and prove whether they do or do not work. And um, I'll give an update if... By some chance, they do work. We're also starting them on Purina Sport Horse with the amino acids. That's supposed to help with recoveries as well. That's all that's been going on with us. We're hoping to do Grand Island. I heard it's one of the prettiest Midwest rides, and they have a great fish fry. We're hoping to come out of that ride healthy. Take care. Have a great ride season, everyone.
0: again this is Adriana Sardoni from the Marvel Endurance team coming to you from Harvey Bay on Queensland's Fraser Coast in Australia so this is my second contribution to the podcast I must say I've been really enjoying listening to it and listening to other endurance riders and other people involved in the sport apart from just the riders um, all around the world it's been really great so thank you Christina for putting this together this podcast segment is about my experience of withdrawing from a ride. So um, for those of you who listened to my first segment, which was in episode three, I told you about how I came to be in endurance and how I came to be um, in the Marvel team. So um, just to recap without repeating everything, um, I moved to Harvey Bay in January 2015 after my first teaching position in Toowoomba in 2014 where I got into the sport at Splendorcrest. I'd done um, a 20, a 50 and I think two (laughs) 40s in 2014 and then um, at the start of 2015 I moved to Harvey Bay. was super duper lucky to meet Victoria and become part of the marble team in January 2015. Okay so let me take you back January 2015, I've just moved to Harvey Bay, I've met um, this amazing horsewoman who has been kind enough to let me ride her horses with her, as well as Jasmine, who featured in episode three as well. So, I went out on a ride with her and Jasmine, with and Jasmine, one weekend, and I rode this pony called Sally. She is a very sweet Perlino, I believe she is, horse. So she's very white, um, pink nose, um, with blue eyes. She's just beautiful. She did look like she was ready to give birth to twins. Um, You know, things are a little bit loose around the belly area, but (laughs) she's awesome. I had such a great ride on her. We did about 12 kilometres from memory. We rode on the beach, which was my first experience riding on the beach, so that was so exciting for me. And we did a bit of a ride through some um, residential areas too, which was lots of fun. She hadn't done a ride like that for a while, to my knowledge. Um, sorry, Victoria, if I'm wrong on that one. But when we came in, her heart rate was above 70. Okay, not so bad for a horse that hasn't done endurance, maybe, um, but... You know, I was just I was just really happy that I was able to ride again. And I sort of didn't really plan on doing um, any any rides. I just thought I'd, I'd, you know, keep my finger in it, um, in the sport, go to rides, strap, help out, all that sort of thing. So it wasn't too long after that, after I'd ridden Sally a number of times, Victoria said to me that if I wanted to, I could take her to the upcoming KUYA ride. To do a 40 kilometre. Who's going to say no to that? Um, now Victoria and Jasmine were both doing the 80 kilometre. Um, which was fine. So I just needed to find someone to ride with. I could have ridden on my own. But it's so much more fun when you ride with other people. So I teed it up with Talia and Alison. Who were riding at Splendorcrest, Crest. And um, asked them if I could ride with them. Which was awesome. Now Talia uh, at the time was... I reckon she was one of the best juniors in Australia. That is my opinion. Um, She's an amazing endurance rider. She still is. Uh, She's just not a junior anymore. Uh, So it was really great to ride with her because she had a great deal of knowledge and experience, which really came in handy out on track. Now, this was my first ride with Victoria. It was my first ride as part of uh, the Marvel team. So I was really, really keen on things going well. (laughs) Now, I hadn't ever vetted out of a ride. I'd never withdrawn from a ride either. So, you know, vetting out was something that I had sort of thought about and was kind of mentally prepared for that. It's something that is likely to happen to you at some point in endurance. You'd be incredibly lucky to go through with no vet outs. You would all know you can do everything right. And you can still vet out on something um, like surprise lameness, surprise heart rate, whatever. Okay, so I'd always known that that was a possibility. But I'd never actually thought anything about withdrawing or, you know, the, the possibility that I would have to. So Sally and I set off on our 40km ride uh, with Alison and Talia. And I specifically recall at the beginning of the ride, Talia and I remarking on how perfect the conditions were. It was a great temperature. The weather was awesome. We were riding into the night. It was an afternoon start. Um, And also there was a, a, a light breeze. So it was just beautiful. It was a really nice afternoon. And I was so thrilled to be back at an endurance ride so soon after moving to this new city where... You know, I didn't know anyone when I moved there, and thought moving there was going to be the end of endurance for me. So everything's going well, stars have all aligned, it's wonderful. And Sally was super keen. She was um, pulling. She was. <laughs> she just wanted to go. Now being being a, a pony, she's got shorter legs. Got to put in a few more strides to get the same distance. So she was probably working pretty hard out there. And After about 15 kilometres, I started to get a bit worried about her. She was panting. She was sweating a lot. um, Just didn't seem to be coping. And she wasn't drinking anything at the water troughs. So we slowed down. We kept an eye on her. We pushed through. We were hoping she'd perk up a bit. We got to a checkpoint and decided to get off give her a bit of a break, pour some water on her and see, see if that helps. So we did that. Uh, we started leaving the checkpoint. We were walking down a hill and Talia decided that we should take Sally's saddle off, give her a bit of a break from that as well, uh, which is a great idea. So um, Talia took Sally's saddle off, so kind of her, and carried Sally's saddle whilst leading her own horse so I could lead Sally myself. Um, Tally's coordination amazes me. I struggle to carry a saddle across a campground to weigh in without losing half of my stuff. We didn't get too far down the hill and we saw the rescue float pull up at the top of the hill at the checkpoint. So we thought, okay, maybe, maybe we should go and Go and have a look, see what the go is. So we walked back up with our horses and, um, the lady driving the rescue float, she was very kind, took one look at Sally and said, yeah, I think you should withdraw. So she must've looked pretty bad, um, for a stranger to come along and say that, um, she was so kind. She had, she was loading another horse on the float, which already had a horse on it. So it was a double float. It was about to be full and, um, the lady said to me that just to keep walking down the track and she would come back in the opposite direction and pick me up it'd be about half an hour. Uh, we put my saddle in the back of the the truck the ute that was towing the rescue float and um, I was kindly lent a jumper because it was about to get dark and cold um, and I kept my helmet because I had my light on it. So um, Tyler and Allison went ahead to finish the ride on their horses which was great. And Sally and I started walking down the track, just the two of us. She was calling out, complaining, (laughs) wanting to be with the other horses. Um, So that was kind of hard and it certainly wasn't helping her with her, you know, respirations. I um, found her pulse with my hand and counted her heart rate and it was pretty high. So we kept walking and we walked and we walked and we walked and all the riders had passed us. And the sun went down and it had been over half an hour, an hour past, so do I no sign of the rescue float. Now, there was no phone reception at the ride base. There was phone reception out on track, so that would mean that you could contact people that were on track when you were on track, but not people at the base. So I was trying to call everyone that I knew to try and get hold of someone on track to get them to go back to base. ...and say, have you gone to pick up that rider in the 40k... ...because she's still out on track? Now, we had about 20 kilometers to go... ...and that was going to be a very, very long walk home... ...and I didn't know if my horse was going to be okay. So, (laughs) started to panic... ...made a few phone calls, couldn't get hold of anyone... ...Sally had started eating at least... ...so I was kind of happy about that... ...but still wondering, should I jump on her bareback... ...and try and ride her back... Am I going to sleep in the bush? What's going to go on? So after about two hours, uh, the rescue float appeared um, on the horizon like a mirage. Not actually. Um, So it already had another horse on it. Totally understand, um, you know, why why it had taken so long. That's all good. I was just glad they had not forgotten about me. They turned up. And um, loaded Sally on, straight on, awesome, jumped in the, um, the car. So the other rider who'd withdrawn, whose horse was on there, was, was in the car as well, as well as the lovely lady who was driving. So this is when I realised, my goodness, I don't know what you do when you actually withdraw. So um, I was picking their brains on the, in the car trip on the way back and told, you know, when we get back, I still have to go to the time gate, get my time slip. Um, still got 30 minutes to vet, which is standard in Australia for Australian endurance rides. And um, yeah, if my horse passed the vet check, it went down as a withdrawal. But if she didn't, then it would be a vet out. So that was that was something that I had never known. So we came in, got off the rescue float. I took her to my team um, of strappers who were super helpful. And <laughs> we went and passed vetting. To my surprise. So that was a massive relief. I was so fearful that this poor horse was going to end up in the vet hospital. And how awful for um, me as the rider, but then also Victoria as her owner, to have taken this person who she has only known for about two months to a ride and they've ended up with her horse in the vet hospital. So I was so, so glad for many reasons. <laughs> Mostly that Sally was okay that we didn't end up in the vet hospital, so that was great, and we passed the vet check, so that was a super duper surprise. went back to camp um when Victoria came back from her eighties, she asked me how I went, told her we withdrew. She was fine. I was so relieved um it's such a relief to find someone who cares about their horses so much rather than you know the results. She preferred that I withdraw rather than um pushing her and, you know, potentially harming her. So that was great. And then to my surprise, the next day, my name was called out at presentations. <laughs> so that all got fixed up. Um, but I hadn't said anything to the the vets or anything because I thought... There's gotta be there's gotta be some process somewhere where the withdrawal gets recorded, right? Like I called the rescue float. You can't just float in and bet through and yay, I finished the ride. Um So, anyway, I didn't say anything to the vets because I thought if I tell them, then they're gonna be looking for something wrong with my horse. Maybe, maybe. I'm I'm really generalizing. Um, I have a lot of respect for the vets, of course. Um, but I think I think you know what I mean. Um So Anyway, that was um, my first and touch wood so far only experience of withdrawing. Um, It's something I learned so, so much from um, and a really good lesson, you know, as someone who hadn't done that many rides, I still was yet to do an 80 kilometre. Um, Like I said earlier, I'd done up to 50 kilometre um, rides, which are still, were still considered training at the time. Um, we call them intermediate now. So I still was, you know, very new to the sport, fairly inexperienced and still a lot to learn. And I mean, even, even now three years on, I know that there's still so much that, that I can learn. So I'm grateful for the experience. I'm so glad that Sally was okay. And I'm also super grateful for all the people that, um, helped me, you know, before, during, after the ride, before, during, after withdrawing. And, um, yeah, that's, that was my experience. Um, and I hope you enjoyed listening to it. (laughs) Thank you.
7: Hi, it's Barbara in Indiana. It's been a while since I've given an update, and that's because there really hasn't been much of an update to give, at least in terms of endurance. But when Christina asked for topics around rider options, I figured I had something to contribute there. So if you look at my ride record, you'll see that I have exactly zero AERC miles. And in fact, I have attempted exactly zero AERC miles. So uh, the question that might come to mind is, why is she talking about a rider option? Um, But I feel like I'm going through a sort of rider option experience right now, actually. There is a ride scheduled this weekend that I was planning to attend and do the limited distance. Um, It would have been our first limited distance ride, Uh, but I have decided to scale back from that. and, And Actually, I was considering the intro ride, but I've decided at this point not to ride at all. Um, I think it's in my mayor's best interest. We are severely under-conditioned and under-prepared, and I just don't think it's fair to ask her to even attempt it. So we will not be. We've had quite a few different factors playing into this decision and leading up to this over the last couple of months. I had a pretty well-thought-out conditioning plan for this spring, but we had some really weird weather. It was very cold this spring, and then it suddenly got very hot and humid, Um, and I just have not been able to get the conditioning miles in like I had planned. Um, I do know that there is such a thing as over conditioning. And I can guarantee that we are not over conditioning, um, that my original plan would not have been over conditioning. I was aiming for 15, 20, 25 miles a week. And embarrassingly enough, we have had a few five mile weeks, (laughs) um, I, be, between my work and uh, the weather, I just have not been able to get the conditioning miles on Scarlet like I had planned. Also, currently working through a saddle fitting issue. My current saddle fits pretty well, but not great. It's not perfect. So before I ramp up the workload, I would like Scarlett to have a very well-fitting saddle for her. So I've been working with the Reactor Panel Saddle Company to find the right saddle for Scarlett, and I, I think we have found a solution, so I'm just waiting for that saddle to be built and to arrive. But in the meantime, I think it would be prudent to hold off on doing much in terms of major conditioning and Uh, any endurance rides. I have also been working on some hoof booting issues as well. Scarlett is barefoot and for my convenience I would like to try to keep her barefoot if possible but of course she is going to need some hoof protection as I start ramping up the conditioning work and asking more of her especially on some of the really rocky trails that we have around here. I think I am close to a solution on the hoof boots but we're not quite there yet so it's just an additional factor that's playing into my decision to hold off on entering the ride this weekend. Fortunately I live in an area where we have access to numerous AERC sanctioned rides so I will try again in the future once we are a little bit more prepared and have all of these issues sorted out a little bit better. I actually will still be attending the ride this weekend. I am going to be volunteering there, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, It'll be good to experience endurance from the other perspective as well and get some more experience behind the scenes, so to speak. I'm hoping that I will get to scribe for a vet. I've been told that that's a really good place to learn a lot about the rides and um, management and care of the horses during the rides. So um, fingers crossed that I'll get that opportunity. But really, with as green as I am to this sport, I'm sure I have plenty to learn anywhere that they assign me so i'm really looking forward to the opportunity to learn and get some more experience tomorrow and hopefully also contribute to the day for everybody else who will be riding so for those of you who are planning and working towards rides in the future uh, i hope everything is going well for you and that your conditioning is going smoothly and in the meantime, stay safe and happy trails,
8: everyone. Hi, good morning, everybody. It's Keisha Wood here from the Southwest region down in New Mexico. And um, I'm happy to be part of the Green Bean Wind Riders team. I'm sure I've said that a hundred times, and if you've ever read my blog, I know that uh, you would see that as well, but we have an amazing mentor who's actually here right by us, and she's only uh, two miles from me. So we get the opportunity to ride with our mentor, and we have learned so much from her. And her name is Cressy Drummond, if you're not familiar with her. She is a wonderful, wonderful, kind, humble woman and I've told her and asked her to do this podcast. And, um, the only way I'm going to get it from her is if I go and hold the microphone and get her to do it, uh, that way. So that's what I'm going to do because I feel like she has so much she needs to share with everyone. So I'm going to try to talk to Cressy about one, her first Tevis, uh, that she completed the Tevis buckle uh, with on her horse legs. And, um, I would also like, talk to her about um, a time that she had to do a rider option on her own and why she made that decision and also uh, cover the Decade Team uh, with her on um, earning the Decade Team Award with LEGS. I'm on the way to her house right now because we're going to go on a training ride and I'm taking Merlin and my baby Kassan is going to be ponying with us. So what a great opportunity to get her to spill the beans and tell us everything she knows. Then when you're in the saddle and she can't get away from me. So, um, okay so we just got finished with our training ride and um cressy took out legs with us today we did around 10 miles but uh that's what i wanted to talk to her about is about legs because this is her decade horse and she had a great career with him and i just want her to say what she can about legs about the career with him and what he's doing now so go ahead cressy okay legs registered name is s e red hill
9: legend. I got him when he was 22 months old from a breeder in New Mexico that was breeding for Endurance and his dad had done Endurance and had a Tevis buckle. So that's how I picked him and uh, he did his first LD when he was four years old and his first 50 when he was five and he went on to get his 5,000 mile medallion And we got our Decade Team Award the same year.
8: How old was he when you did Tevis?
9: He was 11 years old.
8: So when you got him, were you planning on doing Tevis from the very beginning? So he was, uh, oh, okay. So you took all that time in training him for Tevis? Correct. Every, Every ride was a... Uh, training ride for Tevis. Okay, and then how
9: did he do? Where'd you guys finish? Well, we finished uh, About 40 minutes ahead of uh, the cutoff. I think we were number
8: 75. Oh, okay, cool And then um, What about now is he's because now he's still working even though he's not doing endurance Can you tell us why he's not doing endurance anymore? Well, and? He's not doing endurance now because
9: partly because he has Cushing's. He developed Cushing's when he was 18 years old. And also too, I have his younger brother that I'm bringing along at the same time. So. And
8: hopefully we'll be doing Tevis on this year. That's the plan. So look out for That's Saga. And um, let me ask you, when every single ride that you did on legs, did you ever have to do any sort of pull? Did you complete every one? Can you tell us the scenario where you might have had to okay um he did not complete uh three rides in his
9: career uh the first one he lost a shoe and then he lost an easy boot so we just walked in and he was 15 minutes over time the second non-finishing ride he had was a rider option pull it had snowed the night before and uh but then warmed up the next day during the 50 and the trail was really sticky and really gooey, and so we pulled it 40 miles and just mm-hmm. decided not to, not to do that. Mm-hmm. And then the third was a rider option pull. I was riding with a friend on his first LD, and he got pulled, and so I uh, rider option pulled to help him, because he was really a novice.
8: So do you think rider option pull is a bad thing? Oh or? no yeah so uh, people have to do it and you've done it on your other horses as well right and you do that because sometimes that's the safest thing to do right exactly exactly okay well thank you so much and hopefully we'll be seeing saga get his belt buckle here soon which is leg's younger brother okay so i'm leaving cressy's now but i just wanted to say she definitely is everything i described her as just like i said she's super humble she could tell you a million different stories Um, but you got a problem out of her she is uh, she's fantastic we could not have a better mentor and her horse legs man he is amazing he I just I could go on forever about how beautiful he is and even though he's as old as he is he is still he takes every one of our new horses out he teaches them the ropes he is um, he's stern but he doesn't kick or anything he just kind of lets them know um, they need to behave themselves and that's what we did today. I took Merlin and Pony Kassan and Rose took her horse, Shamal, who's coming back from an injury as well. And we all plan to head up to Caja and Santa Fe next week. Uh, Cressy's going to be taking her horse Saga, which is Leg's younger brother that we were talking about. She will be doing two fifties if all goes well. The whole Windrider team will be heading out to California and there to support Cressy and uh, see her run around that stadium at the end with Saga. It is amazing. We've been there to crew two times before but to be able to see your mentor finish it and help her through it I'm just so excited and I just feel so blessed to have this opportunity and to do it with all of my teammates. Every one of us are going to be there. This is just so cool and uh, so we'll keep you updated on what happens with Kaha and uh till next time (laughs) bye
10: hi everyone this is victoria clark from marvel endurance in queensland australia so christina has invited me to be a part of this special podcast to share my experiences in pulling my horses from rides Here in Australia, we refer to a pull as withdrawing. Um, We can do it after we come in off a loop, and and we've already vetted in, or we can call for the rescue float while we're out on track and have the horse removed, and then we vet in as normal when we arrive back at base. So, if you followed my blog at all, you'll know that um, I had a rather horrific entry into the insurance world. Uh, For the listeners who haven't heard my story, you can find it at. Um, marvelendurance.wordpress.com. It's a pretty long story, but I hope you'll be able to take something from it. Um, (laughs) I think a lot of of the time non-horse people will look at people like us and think we're absolutely mad when we say things like something just doesn't seem right, um, when everything just looks just fine. But we have a connection with our horses and we can feel them and read them in ways that other people just, they just don't know them as well as we do and they just don't see what we see. And in the very first pull I've ever had to do, that was exactly the case. I i certainly felt something wasn't right, even though everything looked fine. So it was my very first 80K ride. Um, I was on my first horse, but my dad bought him for me when I was 17. So... He'd been tearing my arms out for most of the ride. Um, he was barefoot, so I was taking a lot of care about where he was stepping. But in the end, it just wasn't enough. Um, he, he was really tough. He was a very tough little pony. But after a couple of hours and about 30 k's into the first half of the ride, I decided he just wasn't handling it and it was time to call the rescue float. So I got off and I started to lead him until I could find the next checkpoint. It felt to me like he was a little bit tender on his feet so when another rider trotted up behind me on track and asked if I was okay I was pretty happy to just say my horse doesn't feel right. He'd been eating and drinking so I wasn't really worried um, and the other rider asked if um, I would trot Bart for him and and he just had a look and he said that he looked fine but I just didn't want to risk it so I just kept walking. Um, it's... It was really nice though to have someone stop and ask whether or not we were okay so that was that was really kind um the the rescue float eventually came and I put Bart on and they dropped us off back at the ride base and um you have half an hour to vet in like normal so because I'd been walking for a while I just decided to vet in straight away and I remember the vet kind of looked at me sideways because as far as they could tell Bart was totally fine um he trotted out fine, his gut seemed fine, everything was fine. But I think you can already tell by the way the story is going that I just didn't feel that it was right. Something just didn't seem right. So Bart went back to his yard and through the rest of the day this feeling in my stomach just got worse and worse and I watched and I watched and there was literally nothing to see. He was eating and drinking and walking no one could see what I felt. And I think I annoyed everybody by saying, does he look right to you? Does he look right to you? They just they just don't see what I could feel. The next morning, um, Bart was colicking. And the night after that, um, after hours and hours and hours at the vet, um, we had to put him down. So <laughs> that's a pretty horrible way to... Um, To start endurance. Uh, Sorry. So, I think as horse people, we know colic can happen anywhere at any time, and for so many reasons or for no reason at all. And it took me a long time to come back from it all. But the thing I learned was to trust my instincts, and I put a lot of value on the relationship between a horse and a rider. And (laughs) it's the most important thing in a sport, knowing your horse inside and out and and trusting yourself when you feel like I felt. The, The signs may not be showing yet and you might just be crazy, but you might not be. So if you can take anything at all from what happened to me and to my horse, please take this. Always trust yourself, and ride on. To
11: finish is to win is our motto, but sometimes we don't finish. And often we learn a lot from that. Hi, my name is Miranda. I live in South Louisiana, where we are spending our weekends heat training, to keep our horses fit for the fall. I currently ride an eight-year-old national show horse named Mickey. She loves her job um, and uh, has been competing uh, 50-milers for about the last three and a half years. I was encouraged by my green bean team, the Blazing Bells, to think about moving her up in distance. I personally had never intended to go beyond 50 miles. I have some body issues that I struggle with, um, but my mare had other ideas. So I started mulling around the ideas of multi-days. I do have another horse that I compete. And so I tried that out and that worked out really well. One day each uh, on a horse, decided that if I could handle that, I could handle um, a longer distance. So they encouraged me to go ahead and sign up at one of the rides near us called the Alabama Yellow Hammer. They had a Pioneer ride in the 75, and I molded the idea of doing the Pioneer, but it is a difficult ride to do three days on. Uh, I ended up making the decision to do a 75, and my mare finished that ride beautifully. Even when we came into camp, thinking we were finished, uh, only to find out we took a wrong turn and had four more miles to go. Uh, Mickey left camp, uh, blazing behind the truck that was leading us back out and um, flew through those last four miles. In the pitch black, um, she got pretty good at figuring out what those glow sticks on the ground were for, and I just held on and let her go. And she uh, just was fantastic. After that ride, she had some time off, and again, we, uh, my girls and I on the Blazing Bells had discussed uh, going ahead and attempting a 100. Um, Jenny, one of the girls, offered to come and crew, and we made arrangements that uh, I would crew for her on the 50 the day before, and she was going to crew for me the next day for the 100. So we met up there. I left uh, a good bit uh, early so that my horse could have plenty of time to rest and adjust. Uh, we did the 50 on Friday, and um, Jenny was successful in that. She's got a great little horse. He's going to be a great little long-distance horse. And uh, Saturday was our 100. Um, Mickey looked great. She was unfortunately a bit of a fire-breathing dragon at the beginning i did pull her up and let some people pass um they were all very kind asking if we were okay uh to which i just let them know my red-headed child and i were having a difference of opinion on speed which we often do um And uh, we just waited it out, and I got her to settle and eat, and and we found a little pocket, and we continued on about our day. We came in for the second uh, vet check, and the vet um, thought that we looked a little off and asked for us to come back for a recheck. And when we did, she ended up seeing nothing and cleared us to go back out. Uh, Mickey was uh, doing really good. She loves hard trails. She loves it if it's hilly. Um, her favorite thing to do is climb and um, the harder the trails are, the better she performs. And we came in for our third hold and everything was going fine. Um, she was eating and drinking really well. Um, we went out on our fourth hole, fourth loop, excuse me, and um, a few miles, about five miles into that loop, she just wasn't moving like I felt that she should. She would speed up and then she'd slow down, and then she'd speed up and she'd slow down. And and at the beginning, she'll do that some, um, because you know she might be trying to accordion between horses, but um, but that's not her typical. She normally moves out at a really solid pace, and. Um, and she kind of sticks to that. So I had um, a gal who, was, who I was riding along with, Heather Reynolds. She was on her sixth loop. And I asked her if she would watch my mare trot uh, for, for a bit. And she did. And um, I felt nothing, and she saw nothing. And so we continued on. And, um, eventually, I ended up getting off and hand-walking her. Uh, I wanted to let her eat some grass. We had plenty of time left. It was just getting dusk. And we only had one loop to go. Um, we ended up breaking a set of reins. Uh, Girls and guys, always check your packs before you, you know, head off to trail. Um, I had forgotten to replenish my zip ties, so uh, I ended up grabbing my sponge leash and improvising. It worked out pretty well. Uh, we mounted back up after I let her have something to eat, and I couldn't see anywhere where she would cause me some concern. Um, So mounted back up and headed off into the dark. Um, We got turned around and had to ask for assistance to put us back on trail. And uh, I realized we were not where we were supposed to be when I was noticing that we were um, towards the beginning of the loop again, going the wrong direction. So anyways, uh, Stag got me back on trail and then I had to call again about a mile later um, because uh, somewhere where I was supposed to be crossing, I could not find the glow stick. And he came back out to assist me again uh, and agreed that it was very difficult to see. Uh, and I, I'm sure they rectified that because it didn't seem anybody else had the problem, but um, I got us back on trail. At this point, the trail was a little harder pack and Mickey was just reluctant to move out freely. Uh, So I got off and we hand walked um, out of the woods and up a hill to the road and I called Stag back and asked him to go ahead and send a trailer for us. Um, I knew then that something wasn't quite right, even though she looked really good Um, and she was eating and drinking. They took us back to camp and the vet checked her over. All her parameters were good, her rate was good. Um, she didn't seem to be in, in any kind of distress. Um, poor Jenny had to trot her out like four times for multiple vets because they wanted to double check and make sure. And I really appreciate that. Um, they're so very thorough, and they really want to make sure that your horse um, looks good. But here's the thing, and um, Ken has said this, and other vets have said this, we should know our horses. We should know how they move. We should know you know, their nuances. And I knew that something just wasn't quite right. Um, I know that sometimes we think we're second guessing ourselves, you know, maybe we're we're thinking something's wrong, but oftentimes we just, we know. I think subconsciously it's us trying to tell ourselves that we know something's not quite right. And so um, they couldn't find anything but because we had trailered in, uh, we went ahead and pulled, and it's a lame, lameness pull, um, because I felt she was off, and uh, I was I was pretty disappointed. Uh, our first attempt, and it's going to show up as a lame, and I, you know, it, it was it was kind of sad. But she looked good. She was happy. Um, she was eating, and we would be able to make another attempt. Here's what I learned. I learned that through spending all this time training and riding my mare the last four years, I am glad that I recognize um, when she's not quite right. She's extremely stoic. She doesn't show um, a lot of of when when she's bothered. Um, the next morning, I went to pull her glue on, and there were a couple of um, areas that were putting pressure on her soles uh, due to some things getting inside and um, some uh, errant glue, if you will. Uh, unfortunately, that's that was the issue. And um, though she still didn't look lame the next morning, uh, with them on and without them on, um, you know, it's, I still knew, and I'm glad that I recognized that uh, being an issue that night. And I'm glad that I could put my want of finishing my very first hundred over her need to have me recognize that though she is strong and loves her job, she just wasn't quite right. That being said, um, we live to ride another day. We learned a lot from that ride. And we are looking forward to our next long distance. Um, Probably a a two-day. It just depends on some factors. Um, But do expect to see us out there again. Y'all have a great time out there. Ask questions. Um, You know, read. Get with your mentors, you know, have a good time. Enjoy your horses, learn about them, and um, have a great ride.
1: This is Chris over near Madison, Wisconsin, and I wanted to talk about the rider option pull that I had with Faith. Um, My daughter and I had traveled to Illinois for a ride, and man, did it storm it stormed all night. This was my mare's first ride being where there was no corral or anything like that and it was a pretty hard thunderstorm and uh, she was out in it all night and um, the ride was even postponed a bit because it was still storming by the time that the ride was supposed to start. It was saddled up. She was a little nervy but we we headed out down the trail. We found another rider who just Kind of wanted to hang back and and go at a, a moderately slow pace. Not too far into the ride, I my shoulder brushed some branches on the tree. The the lady I was riding with, we were um, chatting and riding side by side down this grassy path next to a field. And some some uh, I think they're called bald faced hornets. They're black hornets with white heads. They fell out onto my hands and stung my hands, and I think stung Faith a little bit which, thank God, she did not overreact. So I, I have some allergy to certain stings. I wasn't feeling the best after that, but we, we went on. As long as we were on the open, the, the trails weren't weren't too bad. We got to a loop that really winds through the forest quite tightly on these trails. Man, was it wet, mucky, and kind of slant, on a slanted hill. I forgot how many times I got down to walk her through some iffy areas that were very near the river and although she was being good I was worried because some of the roots I felt like she could slide while she was sliding she'd you know hit her foot under it it would just be harder for her to do that with me on her so again the lady I was riding with was super patient and we um both had gotten up and down a couple times and we came out of the woods and that was just, there were parts in that woods where I just thought, I felt guilty that I was asking her to do that. And it was a 15 mile loop. And in the back of my mind, I thought, what any other reason or any other day would I ask this mayor to do this? And I was so glad when we were done. And we went and we vetted through. And I was chatting with somebody about, well, at least that loop's over. And they said, oh, Hun, it's the same loop again, and it didn't t- take me too long to uh, decide. I, I kind of went back to the trailer and I called my husband and said, "I know you're on your way down here to watch us finish because it was and it was a little bit of a, a drive." I said, "But would you be terribly upset if I just pull and then when you get here, we just pack everything up and head home?" And he said, you got to do what you think's best for the horse. And Faith is really, she's just starting out. And she was, she was giving me all she had, and she would have done it again. But I was just really worried about asking her to do that again. And we had taken a while to get the first loop done. And I thought, it's going to be iffy. And I didn't want that feeling of that I was pushing her to get a finish, you know, and then I thought, you know, just like maybe she would strain a tendon or something, even though she trotted out fine, something in me said, you know what, like, if you push her, you're going to strain something like, maybe we should just stop. Um, and Jim, you know, I, you've heard him on here. He's super uh, kind and supportive. And he said, Yeah, he said, that's okay you go ahead you do what you got to do and so i went back to the vets we pulled her and um when jim got there we spent some time together but we he agreed with my decision and we packed up and we went home and and i don't really regret that decision i just am really sad that that it was so muddy <laughs> But he did tell me he said if it's ever rainy before this ride again, you're not coming down. So he said you already know what it what it'll be like, so you might as well skip skip it. So um the the first time I ever rider option pulled was in two thousand eleven, uh so seven years ago. But um it was a super hot day and very hilly and my horse was doing fine but i had a young rider with me and he was trying super hard and then his horse went lame and i think he got like the horse was fine walked off to go up a hill and was just extremely lame so again like tara said like other people said horse people are amazing people so many people said they would would watch this young man for me, and I just couldn't leave him, you know, I I just, it, I didn't like having to pull, we were, you know, almost done, for, for mandate, I, I really didn't want to have to have a, a you know, non-completion on his record, or mine for that matter, but I couldn't leave the horse for somebody else to take care of, and I, I couldn't leave the child for somebody else to take care of, so I write our option pulled. So, it is what it is, and I would do it again the same way. So that is the rider option episode. I thank everybody who took the time to record and send in. I know it's more fun to talk about uh, the good days or the fun days, and it's a little harder to talk about when we have to make those hard choices but the horses can't make that choice. It, it's up to us to do it.
0: We enjoyed having you along for the ride. Endurance Horse Podcast is where you get to share your adventures of riding good horses through beautiful country. Many stresses in life are washed away by a good gallop, a steady trot, or by simply saddling up your
10: favorite horse for an easy ride. Remember, every mile a memory.
1: To share your story on Endurance Horse Podcast, send an email to endurancehorsepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, happy trails and enjoy the ride.